fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You're darn right it is. Hey, welcome into the program. It is another day of paradise or an expensive paradise. It's almost like living in Central America now where you try and get away, try to escape a little bit, and the prices continue to climb. (laughs) I mean, is that what we're living in now? We're just, hey, we're going to deal with $5 gallons of gas. Why the heck not? Why? Because Joe Biden said we were going to because that's the punishment for us for us cornering him and backing him into the corner and telling him what he had to do and he didn't like that and the democrats have been failing at trying to stay ahead of these political issues so by golly we're going to do what you tell you to do and we're going to pretend like we actually like it but you guys are going to suffer because of it irrationally unnecessarily because that's just the way it is hey welcome into the program it is a tuesday i am andy hoosier this is the voice reason broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV stations, along with our live stream and our podcast going on as well. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Big show lined up for you. We have Daniel Kavalik. I hope I pronounce that right. He's going to tear me apart if he does it. He's with the University of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, and he'll be talking to us about his latest book, The Plot to Scapegoat Russia, how the CIA and the deep state have conspired to vilify Russia. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. We'll see what his take is on the whole Russia-Ukrainian incident going on right now as is Russia really the bad guy or are they the victims of our vilification? I mean, he is a communist, so there is that. Vladimir Putin does try to reunite the Soviet Union. There is that. So let's see uh, what's really going on behind the scenes. We'll talk with uh, Professor Daniel about that at the bottom of the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us outside of that. Hopefully you are trying to survive. Uh, I don't think, and this is a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer me here, but do you think that the left side of the political aisle actually understands basic economics? Probably not. I'm just assuming probably not. No? Okay. I'm wondering... I'm wondering because I'm wondering if they're understanding the concept of supply and demand. I know that they keep talking about a supply chain issue. I don't think they quite understand what they're talking about with the supply chain issue. Now that we have the oil, natural gas, and the coal that we're stopping from coming over from Russia, that he says the prices are going to go up. He also talks about the uh, local producers and that the prices are just going to go up. And he doesn't want the private sector, because they always have to pivot to evil corporation, evil oil industry, evil big money individuals, evil big companies. And they're the the demons, they're the evil entities in the world, and that they as the federal government, are the saving grace, the Gandalf riding on his great white horse trying to save us from all these high prices and the price gouging that happens in the private sector. That was the message that we got today from the President of the United States because, again, he was cornered. He didn't want to end oil supplies from Russia. He really didn't. He was backed into the corner because they've been caught up numerous times over the last few days in the week of individuals in the media actually asking a semi-decent question. Hey, wait a second. If we're putting sanctions on Russian banks and we're putting sanctions on the Russian government and we're putting sanctions on Russia overall to support Ukraine, why are we still buying oil from Russia? Because that's the heart of their economy with buying billions of dollars of oil from them all the time. So aren't we technically still funding the war? 
And Jen Psaki did the best she could of, well, it's only like 7% to 10% of our imports, and they've tried to just blow it off and just, now nah, whatever, it's not a big deal, whatever. But they realized it was a political um, Achilles heel for them going into the midterms, where they're already anywhere from 7 to 10 points down in the national polls, and they're afraid of losing the midterm elections. They don't necessarily have a plan, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but right now they're trying to recover, and I have to make this comparison. For my friends here in the home front here in Kansas, where I'm from, where my flagship station is, you'll understand this completely, that Democrats on these major issues have been extremely emotionally reactive, and they're a little late on the ball, like, thanks for doing it, but you're kind of a day late and a dollar short. And the reason is, is because they don't have principles to stand on. They just do it based on the whim of what the popular vote actually is. So they try to set the narrative for the general public to understand the issue, and then they try to steer people towards understanding one side or the other, obviously the progressive side with the media. They try to set the tone and then make a decision based on how the people respond to it. They don't stand on principle and say, this is the right thing to do, and this is just what we have to do. They wait. They're delayed, and then they prey on people's fears based on the concerns that come out of the popular polls and the surveys that go out. They don't base it based on character and based on principle. Here's exactly what I mean. We saw this throughout the entire COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm going to use my state where I'm based out of. I know we have listeners all over the place, but I'm going to use this as an example because this is where I know it the best. And this really has happened other places, but bear with me for a second. We have a Democrat governor here in the state. Why? I'm not sure. We're a relatively Republican state. We have a supermajority of Republicans in our state legislature, but we have a very left progressive Democrat who's going to get slaughtered, by the way, in our uh, upcoming midterm elections in November. Nonetheless, during the entire COVID-19 pandemic, she has been extremely irresponsible. She has been extremely emotional, and she's very delayed in her reaction. I thought it was just because of incompetence, because she froze and just didn't know what she was doing, which she very well could have been. She was a state senator for like 20 years. She's not really the, I call her the angry librarian. She's a little tiny. She's got the spectacle glasses. She talks really soft, but she's very firm. And she's, that's just her personality, whatever. I mean, that's is who she is. I don't, I have no problem with that, whatever. But I thought it was just her personality where she's not very authoritative of this is what we're going to do. She was more reactionary. She was she played on the on the fears where she was the first in the nation to shut down the schools during spring break of, uh, in March of 2020 when things first happened. Uh, she was the first one to do some of that, but she was very hands off until issues came up and people were screaming at her to do something when she would actually try to, quote unquote, do something. And again, I thought it was a personality conflict issue. All right, she doesn't have very authoritative leadership skills. She doesn't quite know what she's doing. She wasn't really fit to be governor, which I didn't think she was even in the election. But we just have to deal with it. But now I'm starting to realize this is the Democrat platform. They don't like to make tough choices. They don't like to make the hard decisions. They don't like to do uh, those sorts of things and just take a stand because they wait. They let everybody panic. They throw the issue out. The media scares them to death because, remember, if it bleeds, it leads in the media. So they do the very devastating, this is going on in the world. We're all going to (laughs) die. Then they say, all right, what are your thoughts? And then how the people are screaming, mostly on the other side of the aisle, however they scream is how they're like, this is what we're going to do. And they act all authoritative. Joe Biden did not want to cut the oil surplus, uh, the oil supply coming in from Russia. And it looked really foolish. Then we had legislation from the Republicans that was coming out saying we need to do this because this is really stupid while we're putting sanctions on Russia. We need to stop this madness. So Joe Biden came out finally today. 
He stopped, by the way, the legislation from Congress, and now he's signing this order. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in Congress and, I believe, in the country. Americans have rallied support, have rallied to support the Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part of subsidizing Putin's war. Okay. Yes, it has bipartisan support because the Republicans told you you had to do it. You didn't say a damn word about that in the State of the Union just a week ago today, where you could have said, we're going to put all these sanctions on, we're going to close the banks, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You didn't say a word about cutting the energy. Now we're going to cut natural gas, crude oil, and coal coming out of Russia, which we should have done, oh, I don't know, probably a month ago, two months ago. But nonetheless, here we are. Thank you for doing it. Again, you're kind of a day late and a dollar short. Now, I know that you're slow on the draw. I know that it takes you a while to get your medication up and going and your steroids to get up and moving. But come on, man. We kind of need some real-time decisions to be made. And you didn't do it until the vast majority came out in a survey nationally to tell you this is probably a smart idea. So now you stop the Republicans from acting. You steal their platform. Sounds like someone familiar here in the state of Kansas as well. You steal the Republican platform. You come out authoritative-like and you come out and say you're going to do this. He continues. The decision today is not without cost here at home. Putin's war is already hurting American families at the gas pump. Since Putin began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, just since then, the price of the gas at the pump in America went up 75 cents. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. Can we ask why? We broke the record, and we talked about this on the program yesterday. We have broken the record, shattered the record. That was hit, by the way, during the Obama administration. Are you seeing a pattern here? The Obama administration hit, what, $4.18, I think, for the record, the highest gas price that we'd ever seen. People lost their minds. We're now with an average nationwide at $4.84, and it continues to climb. Why are we having such a massive, drastic increase in oil that started well before this? It started like a year ago, well before this whole Ukrainian and Russian issue, and now it's even skyrocketing beyond then. Why? Why are we doing that? And with this action, it's going to go up further. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. In coordination with our partners, we've already announced that we're releasing 60 million barrels of oil oh. from our joint oil reserves. Half of that, 30 billion, million, excuse me, is coming from the United States. And we're taking steps to ensure the reliable supply of global energy. We're also going to keep working Okay, let's stop there for a second. We're releasing, I get it, 60 million barrels globally. That's, I mean, stupid. I mean, it is totally absurd. It really is. Again, we use 20 million barrels a day here. So that's, if the U.S. would just do it alone, that's three days worth of relief here in the United States alone. Half of that's coming from our oil reserves. So thanks, buddy. Again, like, you know, you're training our reserves for no intent purpose to lower gas prices at all. That didn't do anything when you did that six months ago and you said that you were concerned about gas prices increasing and you released 50 million barrels from our reserves reserves already so now you're up to 80 million barrels the gas has not dropped it on any way shape or form across the country in the last year that you've been president but yet somehow that's going to solve the issue uh then he goes on to say we need to invest in alternative energies and yada 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 for the long term and whatever uh but he gets a little snippy with this because he's already backed into a corner. He's looking a little foolish that he didn't respond to this appropriately the first wave and now he's saying well you guys now are going to have to pay for it i don't like you being the American people, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like that you called me out on something. So now we're going to lay down these sanctions and we're going to raise gas prices here. 
you would think that we could just say, okay, we're going to drill more. Again, I don't think he understands the concept of a supply and demand system. If you cut off the supply, that means obviously there's a higher demand. Yes, price is going to go up. You you compensate that in other places. That means you have more supply out there. The price will go down. Why is this an issue? And why are we thinking that we're going to see this massive increase in gas? It doesn't make any sense to me because he tries to go on the defensive here and tries to talk about how bad this could potentially be. It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. We're approaching a record levels of oil and gas production in the United States, and we're on track to set a record oil production next year. In the United States, 90% of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10% that occurs on federal land, the oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week. I, I can't I can't listen to any more of that. You realize that just because they have the permits doesn't mean there's regulations stopping them from doing so. You also realize that after doing surveys of some of those areas that there's not as much oil to go down to get or it's not worth investing the money to drill down to certain areas like that because it's already depleted or there's just not enough down there to make it worth the time and the money to invest into it. But yet you won't let us expand. And yes, you did sign an executive order stopping the expansion of looking for new oil in our own domestic country. I mean, come on. With Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here, reminding you, not only can you listen to The Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring The Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. Again, that's HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com.
bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. In addition, we're choking off Russia's access to technology like semiconductors that are and uh, and sap its uh, its economic strength and weaken its military for years to come. That'll be interesting. Cutting off a whole lot of stuff. There's other uh, companies that are cutting off different supplies for Russia as well. We'll talk about that here in just a second. I find it interesting, though, and I want to get back to real quick some of these sanctions because, again, the progressives, when they're backed into the corner, they still have to show how the government is the answer for some reason. And they really played to their base. i got to give Joe Biden credit in his 12, 13-minute speech here that didn't take any questions, by the way, to the media. Obviously, there's a lot of things to ask about to try and lock down on details and facts here, but he didn't answer any of those. But but uh, really, they have to find the villain. And the villain right now is what the villain has been for the base of the Democrat Party for a very long time, which is, of course, the energy companies and the oil companies. The decision today is not without cost here at home. Putin's war is already hurting American families at the gas pump. Since Putin began his military buildup on Ukrainian borders, just since then, the price of the gas at the pump in America went up 75 cents. And with this action, it's going to go up further. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. In coordination with our partners, we've already announced that we're releasing 60 million barrels of oil from our joint oil reserves. Half of that, 30 billion million, excuse me, is coming from the United States. And we're taking steps to ensure the reliable supply of global energy. We're also going to keep working with every tool at our disposal to protect American families and businesses. Let me me say this. Mm -hmm. To the oil and gas companies and to the finance firms that back them, we understand Putin's war against the people of Ukraine is causing prices to rise. We get that. That's self-evident. But, 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 it's no excuse to exercise excessive price increases or padding profits (laughs) or any kind of effort to exploit this situation or or American uh, consumers. Exploit them. Russia's aggression is costing us all, and it's no time for profiteering or price gouging. Profiteering and price gouging. That is the number one fear from the left side of the aisle, the progressives that despise the uh, capitalist private sector because they really see the oil industries as the profiteering and the price gougers in the nation. I would like to politely remind those that are on the other side of the aisle listening to the program, which is, I'm welcome aboard, I'm glad you're listening, maybe we can find some cognitive thinking and actually come to a at least an understanding of thought process here that 60% of what you pay at the gas pump is actually taxes. I know, I know that is hard for some to understand, but between federal taxes and state taxes, you're seeing that rise in gas prices. Let me ask you something. The federal government right now is getting money based on the tariffs of imports of those oil coming in from Russia and the Ukraine, uh, well, really from Russia, that we're trying to sanction and cut off right now with the natural gas and crude oil and coal. We get tariffs from those and that we get money coming in. Then we get to pay the tax to actually ship it, and then we get the tax to sell it, and we get the tax to distribute it, and yada, yada, yada. We get the tax to manufacture it. If you're not getting it from there, guess what? That is one bit of a income supply chain that the federal government has now had to get rid of. They don't like getting rid of revenue. If you've noticed, whenever they say, we're going to temporarily raise your taxes, they don't like to really lower them unless someone else comes in and says, yeah, this is stupid and we're going to get rid of it. They're worried about price gouging from the oil companies when 60 to 65% of what you pay at the pump is taxes at the state level and at the federal level. If you want to lower gas prices, maybe we should be talking about lowering gas taxes that right now are astronomical on oil.
Who's talking about that? Is anybody, excuse me, hey, is anybody talking about lowering taxes from the federal level? Hey, we know that it's expensive. We know it's going up because obviously there's a supply issue right now. We need to figure out where to compensate when we're cutting off Russia. So we could see a little of a bump there to try and help you out so you don't see five to six gallon, uh, gallons, uh, uh, gallons of gas. Maybe we should just lower the tax on there to get rid of some of the price on you to lower the burden for you. But you know what? The government's not going to touch that. Of course they're not. That's their revenue stream. They don't understand, again, the whole difference between supply and demand issues based on what's available and what the consumers want. Let me tell you, the consumers know how to fix that pretty quickly. Lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government censorship and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch the voice of reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Halfway through the show already. Good golly, it flies right on by. Welcome back into the program. Your political therapist trying to therify you every day. You can vent. It's okay. We'll help you out trying to get through the craziness of the day right here on the program. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time, multiple radio stations all over the country, live streaming, podcasting, TV streams. No matter where you may be, we appreciate you hanging out with us today. By the way, programming note for you, I, uh, again, if you have not read it, highly encourage you to go to opslens.com, opslens.com, a great site where we stream our video on social media every day and uh, with their website, with their app. But we also have our latest blog a, or op-ed or whatever you want to call it on there. I've never been a writer. Now, we have two of them that are published through Opslens, so we appreciate those guys and love them to death and all you listeners that are on there, uh, along with, of course, you radio and TV listeners, too. But uh, if you want to check it out, opslens.com, you can also find the links on our social media at Hoosier Reason. That's H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason, and HoosierReason.com. And you can find the piece that we wrote there uh, talking about the Russia-Ukrainian thing, Remember, reminding ourselves going into a midterm election how to hold on to those limited government, constitutionally conservative values and our three pillars of conservatism when we approach some of these crazy issues because obviously we're going to need them going into a massive, wild midterm election, and uh, it's going to be a fun one. So hang on to your seats and get ready for that. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the latest of what's going on. What's trending today? Obviously, we just had the president talk about some of the oil prices. Get ready for that five, six, seven dollars gallon. I don't know. By the way, I, over the uh, break, I did look up the gas taxes that are going on because could we relieve ourselves a little bit from that? I mean, a little bit. Uh, I guess the ratio changes a bit because the federal uh, 
tax on gas is sitting right around 18 cents a gallon, 18.4 technically. They haven't really changed that in a while, but statewide is where it really changes. California has a 51 cent tax on gas. Good golly. These guys are nuts out there. But hey, hey, I mean, you need to spend money on like environmental things and stuff. I don't know. But nonetheless, they uh, they have a really high one. Is that an option for different states to maybe relieve on some of the gas tax to try and lower that price a little bit as we talk about some potentially really high gas prices for a while until we could hopefully maybe become energy independent again? Talk about what's going on, though, in Russia and the Ukraine. What started all this? Where did it come from? Why are we in this conflict? Not us, but why is Ukraine in this conflict? And what are we doing, positive or negative, to contribute to some of this? Ha- happy to have this guy on the program. He's an adjunct professor with the uh, professor of law at the University of Pittsburgh. Also, his book, The Plot to Scapegoat Russia, how the CIA and the deep state have conspired to vilify Russia. Excited to have on the program David Kavalik with us here. Daniel, how are you, my friend? Great. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the program. Let's uh, take this back before a couple of weeks ago, before even a month ago when this started to brew of, oh, could we see some potential tension here? Let's go all the way back to the beginning of this. Why do you think that we're seeing the conflict that we are right now? Well, first of all, we can start this. uh, Let's start in 2014. So in 2014, in Ukraine, they had a president named Yanukovych, and the U.S. did not like him because he was at least vacillating on whether to sign uh, some major economic deals, either with the EU and, and Russia, and they were afraid he might go with Russia. And so the U.S. actually backed a coup there, which overthrew him and put in a guy named Poroshenko who immediately started saying very hostile things against the Russian ethnic Russians living in Ukraine, saying that they were going to now have to live in bunkers, and uh, the Russian language was outlawed in the schools. The two republics that are now being talked about, uh, Lugansk and Donetsk, declared independence in response to this, and a war broke out between those, the government in Kiev, and those two republics, 14,000 people have died in these last eight years in that war. Mm. And 80% are Ukrainian ethnic Russians in that region. And this was a big reason for why this conflict broke out. That and, of course, the encroachment of NATO up to the borders of Russia. And, and, and so the two things that, that Putin had asked for is, you know, NATO, tell us that you won't admit Ukraine into in NATO. And two, uh, Ukraine, tell us you'll stop attacking your own people, these ethnic Russians in Ukraine, uh, as you have been. And, and as you're required to stop doing, according to these Minsk agreements that the UN Security Council unanimously approved, none of those things were uh, agreed to by NATO, the U.S., or Ukraine, and that has helped lead to this crisis. The weekend before the invasion by Russia, there were 1,500 ceasefire violations in one day between the government in Kiev and these two republics. So, I mean, the truth is this war didn't start two weeks ago. Yeah. It started eight years ago. And And if we don't understand that and don't understand how you know, the U.S. and NATO contributed to that, in particular with the coup and the support of that coup government, then we're not going to know how to de-escalate it. Sure. 
That's a great point. I mean, we need to understand the basis of this. Where does President Zelensky fall into this now? I don't know anything about the guy outside of I see him being the first leader in a really long time standing on the front lines and saying, please help us because I'm not going to back down and I don't need a plane, but I need ammunition sort of thing. And I love his patriotism and what he's doing, but where does he fit into all this? Well, he's an interesting figure. First of all, he was elected in 2019. Before that, he was a comedian, you know, so... He doesn't have a lot of political experience. But in any case, in 2019, he was actually elected on a peace platform on the promise that he would make peace with both the two breakaway republics in his own country and with Russia. But very quickly, and there's a very good article on this by Max Blumenthal in The Gray Zone uh, in the last couple of days, which goes through all this. Very quickly, very ultra-right forces in Ukraine began to pressure Zelensky and said, no, don't do that. We don't want you to make peace with uh, those two republics or with Russia. And if you do, they actually threatened in uh, to kill him. You know, So in the end, he relented to these groups, some of which, and I don't want to overstate the case, but some of which, yes, are neo-Nazi. You know? And that's been documented. That's been documented since 2014, these neo-Nazi groups. And essentially, he relented and stopped trying to make peace, uh, continued the war against those two republics, and did some very uh, provocative things in this last year. Last spring, he said that Ukraine would try to forcibly take back the Crimea from Russia. Over the summer, he then said they're also going to forcibly try to take back the two republics that declared independence. And then the big thing he did right before the invasion is say, suggest that Ukraine may get nuclear uh, weapons back, nuclear weapons that they had given up under an agreement between multiple uh, parties. And again, all these things uh, really spooked the Russians and no one was willing to tell the Russians that, hey, uh, you know, we can uh, dial some of this back. And again, so that that's where we're at. So I don't think Zelensky's, uh, uh, you know, a bad guy. I think he's probably an OK guy. But again, I think he's beholden to forces that he cannot control. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the political forces obviously are strong. Uh, and he's just trying to deal with some of that stuff. Let's talk about the Russian side of things. They had mentioned that not only if Ukraine joins NATO, but also if uh, other nations, uh, some of the Scandinavian nations, also try to join NATO as well, that there would be repercussions there. I mean, he threatened using the nuclear option. He's talked about that if you put more sanctions on, that's a declaration of war. I mean, do you think that Putin's gone off the deep end a little bit here, or do you think that he's still in line with just what he what his intentions are? My own feeling, and I've been, you know, reading some of his speeches, I mean, my feeling is that while we may not like what he's doing, and I'm not here to defend it, I don't think that he's lost his mind or that he's irrational. I think from his point of view, what he's doing is rational. You know, he's talked about the fact, you know, he says, look, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, Russia thought it was going to be admitted to the the West in the community of nations, and that's what they wanted. That's what Putin wanted. Right. Yeah. You may have to remember after 9-11, Putin called Bush. He was the first world leader to offer condolences for 9-11, offered to give help in the war on terror and gave that help. You know, so he actually showed some willingness uh, to partner with the West. But that partnership never happened. Right. And NATO kept encroaching up 
to his borders. And then again, you had this Ukraine situation, which he found very uh, threatening. So he decided that this was the stand he was going to make. And again, I'm not justifying that. But I think from his point of view, there's at least a rationality to it that we were never at least willing to even acknowledge or talk to him about that. And I think even now, if the U.S. were to help at the bargaining table, uh, and the EU would, that could be a big help. I think talks could still bear fruit. In fact, Ukraine just said today that they're not going to insist on NATO membership. They seem to be willing to make that concession. Again, I think there could be a negotiated solution, but I think, you know, uh, all parties have to be willing to make a compromise here. Sure, that is very true. We're talking with Daniel Kavalik. He is a professor at the University of Pittsburgh, also author of the book The Plot to Scapegoat Russia, How the CIA and the Deep State Have Conspired to Vilify Russia. Uh, Daniel, can you stick over one more segment with us? We've got to take a break here. I sure can. Awesome. I love this. I I want to continue this conversation because I want to get the intentions of both sides and what could we see moving forward with some peace and how far back this actually goes. Plus, where does the U.S. tie in with some of the political games, obviously, because we have our hands in a lot of places as well and where we fall into some of that as well. And uh, the history of Putin as well. I mean, being part of the former KGB as well. And is he trying to potentially reunite the Soviet Union. I know that's been a fear for a lot of individuals as well. I want to cover all that and more when we come back with the professor. Also, want to talk about the lessons we could potentially learn from all this moving forward. And can we stop a world war from actually happening? Because many people are concerned about that as well. It's The Voice Reason. It is a post-Monday celebration. Lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here, reminding you, not only can you listen to The Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring The Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. Again, that's HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. 
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the show. A few minutes left here before we wrap up on a post-Monday celebration. I don't care what anybody says. It's by far the best day of the week. I don't know why it just is, because the worst of it's over, right? See, always looking for that optimism. Always thinking about it, right? Trying to bring that zen back in your life. Welcome back in. (laughs) Radio, TV, live stream, and podcasting. We're hanging out with Professor uh, from the University of Pittsburgh. It's Daniel Kavalik. He is also the author of the book, The Plot, to Scapegoat Russia. Let's talk about the history of Putin for a second. Um, Do you think, Daniel, that he is uh, has an agenda, has a goal, of wanting to reunite the Soviets. Is, and is this part of it? He, he invaded Croatia. He invaded uh, Ukraine now, obviously with some of the stuff that's led up to this over the last few years. But is there a grander scheme as well of trying to rebrand back to the old-style Soviets? Hello? Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Hey, there we go. Uh, can you hear me okay? Maybe. Maybe. Hello? All right, hold on here. Let's try this again. Let's see. We. Uh, oh, I guess we lost him. All right. We'll see if we can get him back. Let's see. Is he back? I'm here. Hey, there we go. Okay, fantastic. All right. I don't know if you heard the question or not, but let's uh, let's talk about. Yeah, I did absolutely. You did. Okay, go for it. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that's what he wants to do. Uh, First of all, we have to remember everyone says, "Oh, he was a KGB agent." That's true, but a lot of people don't know is that he quit in anger after Gorbachev was kidnapped in August of 1991 by people who actually were trying to reverse the reforms of Gorbachev and keep the old system in place. He didn't like the fact that Gorbachev was kidnapped by those people. So I don't think that he, he certainly has said the collapse of the Soviet Union was a tragedy. He has said that, but he's also, there's two parts to that statement. He says those who don't shed a tear uh, for the collapse of the Soviet Union, have no heart, but those who want it restored have no brain. I mean, the second part of it makes it clear he doesn't want that. Uh, And certainly I don't think wants to do it by force. Again, I think he wanted to be part of the West, and he made that very clear. Uh, Again, partnering with the U.S. after 9-11 in the war on terror. I think he just wants Russia to have secure borders. Uh, We have to remember the U.S. supported uh, armed rebels, he would say terrorists in Chechnya, uh, and he would say to try to break up Russia, and that was after the collapse uh, of the Soviet Union. By the way, he never invaded Croatia. He did end up annexing Crimea, which is part of Ukraine. But they they had a referendum in which they, you know, in huge numbers, voted to go into Russia. And, and all by all accounts, people are happy uh, with that decision. So I don't see him as an expansionist, but I do see him as, at this point, doing what he thinks, anyway, he needs to do to defend Russia's uh, current borders. Sure. we got just about a minute left here before we have to kind of start wrapping things up, but what can be done at the negotiating table? Do you see this expanding and escalating to something that all of Europe starts getting involved with now that we see the European Union wanting to say, well, you know, if you send some planes or you send something, then, you know, that's okay, you know, to try and defend Ukraine. Do you think this is going to escalate into something out of hand into a quote-unquote World War III potential, or do you think that we're going to come to the table and see some type of uh, compromise here? I think we're at an inflection point where either possibility is there, and I would like to see peace. I think that if 
NATO says, okay, we're, we're, we're not going to admit Ukraine in, into NATO. We're going to enforce these Minsk agreements, meaning Ukraine's going to stop attacking Lugansk and Donetsk, and they're going to recognize a certain level of autonomy for them, which, again, the Minsk agreements contemplated. I think that would settle it. In fact, Putin has recently said that's what would settle it. So I think that's the direction the party should be moving in and not dumping more arms in or setting up no-fly zones that, yes, could lead to a world war, which I think none of us want. Yeah, that would be very devastating. Uh, real quickly, in about 30 seconds, where is the U.S. involved with this right now when it comes to poking the bear? Have we poked the bear here? And do you think that if we just kind of back off the situation, would that help? I think it would help. I think these sanctions, frankly, are not targeted at the leaders. They're going to hurt the Russian people. By the way, they're going to hurt the American people in terms of it, it may tank our economy. So I think those should be dialed back. And we should say, hey, we're not going to take uh, Ukraine into NATO. Yeah, there it is. It's Daniel Kavalik. He is a professor at University of Pittsburgh, author of the book, The Plot to Scapegoat Russia. Uh, professor, I appreciate the time very much, my friend. Very interesting stuff. Let's get you back on and talk again here real soon. Thank you, Andy. Definitely. Hey, appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate the conversation very much. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a bit. Lots to ponder and pick out. We'll re, uh, reconvene and break that down tomorrow when we come back on the program. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you tomorrow on the radio. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government censorship and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch the voice of reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media.